0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for walk well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's talk about crime. If government can't keep their citizens stay safe, then nothing else matters. Now, last year, we reduced gun violence bringing shootings down by a third all across the state. Murders are down 21% in New York City, 38% upstate. We made key revisions to bail reform to make New York safer. We enacted gun control legislation that's a model for the rest of the nation. But certain types of crime have been stubbornly high. New Yorkers see it every day. Graffiti scrawled outside a synagogue. Baby formula locked behind plastic panels. A couple's argument turns violent and punctuated by gunshots. And on the subway, people suffering a mental breakdown or an overdose. Episodes like these can cause an atmosphere of anxiety in our communities. But our success in driving down gun violence proves that targeted strategies do work and that changing trends is indeed possible. So today we're unveiling a series of crime-fighting tactics alongside an era-defining mental health initiative so New Yorkers can live free from chaos and disorder and focus on the things in life that matter most. First, we must ensure everyone is safe at home by protecting them from domestic violence. Now, the random attacks get all the press coverage, but New Yorkers are much more likely to be hurt by someone they know. In one third of assaults, the attacker and the victim have a prior relationship. Our system fails too many survivors. In New York City alone, 84% of domestic violence arrests end with dismissals. Think about that. And before last year, too many abusers had access to guns, so we changed the law. And now, but now the Supreme Court is poised to possibly overturn a law that keeps guns away from the abusers. So we need to strengthen protections and it's more urgent now than ever before. You may have heard me talk about my mother grew up in a home where domestic violence was routine. She dedicated her life to survivors to break the cycle of trauma. And we know that prosecuting violent abusers is the best way to protect survivors. Take the story of Elizabeth Beechard, who's here with us today. Elizabeth, please stand. Elizabeth lives right across the river in Troy. Not long ago, she was trapped in an abusive relationship. She and her pets suffered regular abuse at the hands of her ex boyfriend. He killed one of her kittens, maimed another, and then one day her life changed. A veterinarian told her about Unity House, a nonprofit that helps survivors of domestic violence. Eventually, she met Troy police detective Russ Clements who's also joined us, Detective Clements. Thank you, thank you. He helped Elizabeth find the strength to pursue justice and filed charges. He assisted with police reports and stood by her side at the grand jury. With his support, Elizabeth has made a clean break from her abuser and is rebuilding her life. Let's give them both a round of applause. I want to hear more hopeful stories like this. And that's why we're dedicating $20 million so district attorneys can gather evidence to prosecute abusers and take their guns away. And we're committing more funding so police can protect those most at risk of abuse and clamp down on repeat offenders. Because every survivor should have the same chance to break the chain of violence and build a new life. Across our nation and our state retail theft has surged, creating fear among the customers and the workers. Thieves brazenly tear items off the shelves and menace employees. Owners go broke replacing broken windows and stolen goods, driving many out of business. These attacks are nothing more than a breakdown of the social order. I say no more. The chaos must end. For the very first time, we're launching a joint operation between federal, state and local law enforcement along with a brand new state police unit to crack down on organized retail theft. As I said, we used this approach with illegal guns, and it worked. I'm also proposing to help those business owners with a tax credit to help them cover the additional security costs. And I'll work with the legislature to strengthen penalties for assaulting a retail worker or fostering the sale of stolen goods online. Let's get it done. Let's back our businesses back our businesses and the workers with the full force of the law, and punish those who think they can break the rules with impunity. And this extends to the illegal cannabis vendors who flagrantly violate our laws. We'll empower localities to go after the unlicensed shops, prosecute businesses that sell to minors, and padlock their doors faster. Finally, regarding crime, I want to talk about hate crimes, particularly the rising tide of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Since the horrific attacks by Hamas against Israel on October 7th, there's been roughly a 95% increase in hate crimes against Jewish residents of New York City. And we're seeing a surge of anti-Muslim hate crimes as well. Our neighbors are being targeted on playgrounds, and synagogues, and mosques, and on college campuses. And I will not rest until every Jewish and Muslim child feels safe going to school or entering a house of worship. So we propose to make more than two dozen additional offenses, from gang assaults to graffiti, eligible for prosecution as hate crimes. This means enhanced liability, sentences, And ultimately, it means we're standing up for what's right. We'll protect the people of this state. We'll carry this fight until every New Yorker feels safe at home, at prayer, and at work. But no matter how much we spend on law enforcement or expand their powers, New Yorkers will not be able to let their guard down until we fix our mental health system. Because, here's the truth, from Brooklyn to Buffalo, many New Yorkers are suffering. Mental illness doesn't discriminate. It touches the rich and the poor, reaches into schools and senior citizens with the senior centers with the same severity. Even our first responders are suffering. Their experiences on the job expose them to horrific circumstances and the suicide rates among law enforcement are about 60% higher than the rest of the population. And too often the people involved in violent incidences on our streets or on our subways are victims themselves, victims of a system that failed to provide them the treatment they need. High quality care must be widely available, accessible, and affordable. Yet for decades, the mental health system was deprioritized and defunded. Over the 10 years before I took office, funding for mental health grew only by 2%, not even keeping up with inflation. The result? Too few psychiatric beds, too few mental health practitioners, and failing support systems. Combine this with pandemic isolation, opioid addiction, and the toxic algorithms that govern social media. It's no wonder we have such a serious problem in our hands. Make no mistake, this is the defining challenge of our time. And that's why my administration, working in partnership with this legislature, has already made unprecedented investments in mental health care a 33% increase just over the last two years. And we boosted funding by $1 billion last year alone. Now here's what this allows us to do. Target hundreds of millions of dollars toward outpatient community-based services, create more than 3,500 housing units for people suffering from mental illness, increase inpatient psychiatric beds by 1,000, and initiate sweeping measures to help our children, including millions for suicide prevention, eating disorder care, and school-based mental health clinics. You know, focusing on our kids its everything. It's critical because they're our most precious resource. And investing in mental health services for the young means they won't be relegated to a lifetime of needing care later on. When schools close during the pandemic, Kids turn to social media to stay connected with friends and family. But a darkness lives on those platforms. Content often promotes themes of sadness, alienation, even suicide. The algorithms that make social media so addictive push that darkness onto young users. I'm thinking about New Yorkers like Alex Spence, who grew up on Long Island, She joined Instagram when she was only 11 years old. And immediately the algorithm started suggesting images and videos about eating disorders and and themes promoting low self-worth. By the time she was 15, young Alex was spiraling. She was losing weight. She didn't sleep. Her life wasn't hers anymore. It belonged to the algorithm. After her parents intervened, And after two weeks in a psychiatric facility without her phone, she emerged a changed person, able to assert herself again. Today, she advocates for other young people at risk and dreams of the day of testifying before Congress about the dangers of social media. Believe it or not, Alex is one of the lucky ones. And her mother, Kathleen, is here with us today. Kathleen, please stand. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what Kathleen says. Social media is a silent killer of our children's generation. According to the CDC, one in four teens have considered suicide double the figure just a decade ago. For teenage girls, the numbers is one in three. That's why we're going to tackle the scourge of social media that has harmed so many young minds. Attorney General James, the two of us together will continue demanding accountability from social media companies. We'll advance legislation to protect children's privacy and regulate the algorithms that target them on social media feeds. We'll expand tier-to-support programs so kids can share safe spaces with other kids with the same challenges. In the meantime, we have to help the kids who are hurting right now. We'll start with historic investments to make mental health services available to every single school-aged child. And ensure that every school that wants a mental health clinic will get one. And I'm glad to be joined today by another great New Yorker, Brianna Braverman. Brianna. Brianna worked tirelessly. She's worked to support school aged New Yorkers through a program called Youth Act, which enables young people wrestling with mental illness to stay in their schools and communities rather than receiving inpatient treatment. Thank you, Brianna. Thank you for all you're doing. So we're building on the progress she already made. Everyone can agree that healthy children are more likely to grow into healthy adults but too many grow up without the support they need and pose a danger to themselves or others. That's why I'm proposing comprehensive reforms to our behavioral health system. Starting in 2024, we will require hospitals to screen patients with mental health conditions for risks like suicide, violence, substance abuse, and other complex needs. We will also require that follow-up psychiatric care be coordinated before patients can leave the hospital. It's common sense, but it hasn't been happening. And let's significantly expand mental health courts, which are proven to reduce recidivism. empower court-based mental health specialists, our our most vulnerable get help. Rather than just cycle in and out of the justice system, and as we know, the most extreme cases involve people committing violent crimes, often lacking the capacity to live safely on their own. Just two weeks ago, at Grand Central Station, one of those individuals pulled a knife and stabbed two young tourists. Thankfully, the injuries were not life-threatening, but episodes like this extract a vast psychological toll on our communities and everyone else. And just as that act of violence was absolutely abhorrent and inexcusable, so too were the repeated failures that allowed the perpetrator to slip through the cracks. Diagnosed with numerous mental health conditions, including schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. He had a history of terrorizing those he loved and falling into rageful, menacing episodes. He should have received help long ago. We can no longer wait for someone to lash out and hurt someone before we take action, because by then, it's already too late. And a relatively small number of people need the most intensive care. So we'll fund specialized housing to provide services to these individuals with a history of criminal justice involvement. We often know that Also known, New Yorkers in crisis are discharged back into our communities, not because they've recovered, but because there's no more room in our hospitals. And that's why we're creating 200 best-in-class patient beds for those with the most serious needs. But mental health care is not just for those in crisis. Whether it's anxiety, depression, grief, addiction, we've all needed support at one time or another to get through the struggles of life. But seeing a therapist can be expensive, and some people can't afford out-of-pocket payment. And for too long, many insurance companies have refused to adequately pay for mental health support. That changes now. I want to increase, I want to increase reimbursement rates for all state-licensed mental health services, and the new regulations will require insurers to provide out-of-network coverage when timely appointments are not available in network. So to enforce it will give the Department of Financial Services more staff, more discretion to increase fines on insurers who flout the new rules. So I recommend you don't. This matters because we know when people don't get help, their struggles only become more intense. Addiction is the same. We've all seen lives in every corner of the state, sapped by opioid dependence. My own family has been touched by this epidemic of pain. I still mourn the loss of my nephew and the millions of other lives needlessly cut short. And that's why we're harnessing over $200 million in settlement funds secured by our Attorney General James to, to bolster and support our workforce for addiction treatment professionals, to grow our street outreach efforts, distribute more naloxone, and millions more life-saving fentanyl test strips. You know, we're leading the nation in disbursement of these funds, and spending them quicker than any other state. I envision a future where no parent ever again has to find their child lifeless, and glassy eyed on the floor. Where every New Yorker can feel safe walking the streets or taking the subway. And if our children have the every resource to become the best version of themselves. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.